listening. Advert 3. The Dark Witch Tales. Presented by Raven Dark Witch. Hello, my dearest Darklings. How are you this week? I hope you're well. If you saw my video from last week, you would know that we are in Chester. Hopefully you enjoyed the walk around I did. But for now, I bring you three of the most chilling tales that Chester has to offer. Tell me, are you thirsty? I am parched. I could do with a drink. Let's stop off at the Baron Billet. The Baron Billet became an inn during the late 1700s. Although it was initially built probably as a warehouse in 1664. The building was commissioned by the Earl of Shrewsbury, who had only recently taken over the nearby Bridge Gate. The building consists of a cellar, three floors above that, and an attic in the gable that overlooks the street. The Earl was not known to be a particularly nice man. In fact, as far as his servants were concerned, he was a nasty piece of work. Alas, this was the 17th century, and to be fair, most noble people treated their servants only marginally better than they would have treated their slaves. As I said, the Earl was not a nice man. He would often punish his servants for the smallest offence, and he was more than fond of punishing the female staff. Then one day, a very young maid made the mistake of upsetting the Earl to some degree for whatever purpose, and the Earl, being the sort of man he was, decided to lock her in the attic. The Earl forbade his other servants to give the girl any food or drink and the servants, being afraid of the ill and fearing his wrath, didn't do anything to help her. The ill was then called away back to Shrewsbury on the matter of business, and he completely forgot about the girl. It is said that she could be heard scratching at the door for several days. The servants were afraid to intervene in this matter, sadly. It was many weeks later when the old were turned, and as you can imagine, when he opened the door to the attic, he found the girl had died. It is said that her spirit can sometimes be seen peering from the attic window onto the street. As well as that, it is also said that sometimes... You can hear the scratching at the attic door. As soon as you've finished your drink, we'll take a walk. We're going to walk alongside the River Dee, down a path known commonly as the Groves. This is a popular walking spot here in Chester. But it hasn't always been so. 
For it is along this path that the condemned were carted from Northgate Jail to Gallows Hill. Crowds would gather in this space and throw vegetables at the condemned. This had been a practice since the 17th century. This was their idea of a great night out, entertainment for all the family. However, something took place in 1801 that was to forever change the public's perspective of this event. Samuel Thomas, John Morgan and John Clare had been condemned for the crime of burglary and had been sentenced to hang. John Clare had pleaded innocence throughout his trial, and the charge that had been brought against him was the theft of a loaf of bread. He swore that he would never hang, and, truth is word, as they were passing by the River Dee, John Clare made an escape. He got off the cart and headed towards the river. They almost made it halfway through until his shackles made of iron started to drag him down. As you can imagine, John Clare drowned. And it was at that point that things took a sinister turn. You see, in those days, the executioner was paid by the rope of a noose, not by the death of a prisoner. And so it was that the executioner jumped into the river and and dragged John Clare's body out of the river and put him back on the cart, carrying on to Gallows Hill, where all three men were hanged. The public didn't take kindly to this sight, and thus, these three men were the last three men to be publicly hanged in Chester. My last tale from Chester is one that I find so terrifying that it even causes a shiver down my spine still. This tale has no ghosts, no spectres, no phantoms. It features no witches or werewolves or vampires. And yet, it truly displays the actions of a monster. It is no doubt a tale that you are probably already familiar with because this case was all across the media only a few months ago because the sentencing took place as recently as the August of 2023. So allow me to take you to the Countess of Chester Hospital. Years 2015. Twins were born six weeks premature, a boy and a girl. However, they were healthy until the 8th of June, something mysterious took place because 
the boy's health started to deteriorate rapidly. At the time, there was no understanding why this took place. After the death of the boy, the girl started to deteriorate. But though she survived after resuscitation, tests later proved that she had loops of gas-filled bowel. This was later to be found in many babies of the next year. On the 14th of June, another baby boy is born. This one was seven weeks premature, weighing only one pound, 12 ounces. But he was in good condition. Unfortunately, he also died as a result of air being injected into his stomach. On the 22nd of June, Another child died. This was a little girl. Again, air had been inserted into her bloodstream, causing the, the heart to collapse three times. It was the third collapse that proved to be fatal. Those attending noticed there was the discoloration on the baby's skin. Now please do not be mistaken. Death is certainly a possible risk for babies born Premature. However, up until now, the Countess of Chester had only suffered one or two baby deaths a year. Now they were looking at three deaths in a single month. That was quite a spike. And of course, this raised an alarm. The head consultant of the ward, Dr. Stephen Brary, decides to carry out a review these three unusual deaths. Alison Kelly, the Director of Nursing and Deputy Chief Executive, was told that only one nurse was on shift for each of the deaths, on Lucy Letby. At that point, it was considered a possible coincidence that Lucy Letby had been on duty at the time of each of the deaths. And, sadly, it was decided that she was to stay in the neonatal ward. On the 4th of August, a woman gave birth to twin boys. That mother was to later walk into the neonatal unit and observe Lucy Letby fiddling around with the feeding tubes to her baby. The baby seemed to be quite distressed and bleeding from the mouth. Let me try to reassure the mother by saying there had been an accident with one of the feeding tubes and that the mother should trust her because she was a nurse. This boy sadly died from such a heavy blood loss that our doctor was to say he had never seen such a blood loss in such a small baby. Unfortunately, parents decided not to have a post-mortem on the baby and the doctor and corps agreed with their decision. 24 hours later, his brother was given a blood test, which proved that he'd been injected with insulin. Fortunately, this child survived. In the September of 2015, Lucy Letby was to make an attempt a little baby girl's life three times.
none of which succeeded. But that child is now disabled because of Lucy Letby's attacks. On the 23rd of October, another girl died. After the fourth attempt of Lucy Letby injecting air into the child's stomach. Lucy Letby actually had the nerve to send the parents of this child a sympathy card at the child's funeral. Dr Stephen Brewery was so concerned by this latest death that he decided to conduct another staffing review. This review unveiled the fact that Lucy Letby had been on duty during more unusual deaths. Another doctor, Dr Ravi Jaram, attempted to inform management of this situation, but was simply rebuffed with a don't make a fuss. So as you can tell, doctors on the ward were aware of what was going on. However, they were not being listened to by management. And so, by the 9th of April 2016, two twin boys were to fall into the hands of Lucy Letby. One boy was injected with insulin, the other was injected with air. Fortunately, both boys survived. However, one of the boys now has severe brain damage. There was a meeting that took place on the 11th of May 2016. A document had been produced by management that pointed out that they believed that any link between these unusual deaths and Lucy Letby was coincidental at best and that the doctors should consider the services offered at the hospital for an answer to this spike. On the 23rd of June, only a day after Letby returned from sunning herself up in Ibiza. A baby who had been perfectly healthy and was due to go home suddenly collapsed. A higher than normal amount of gas was found in his body. He had been one of triplets. Shortly afterwards, one of his brothers was also found with excessive amount of air in his body. It is believed that the baby's diaphragm has been shattered and doctors rush to get him to another hospital. Considering that Letby was a nurse, she is said to have made the following chilling statement. He's not leaving here alive, is he? This was the breaking point for Dr Stephen Brewery, who contacted the duty executive Karen Reese. On the evening of 24 June 2016, requesting that Letby be removed from the unit. Tanris insists that Letby is safe to work and will be willing to take any responsibility should anything happen to other babies when Letby is involved. There was a meeting of the Board of Executives to decide where to involve police in an investigation upon the neonatal unit. The board came to the conclusion at this meeting 
And again, the evidence against Lucy Lateby was circumstantial at best. And that there was a witch hunt against Lateby by some of the doctors. So they decided against involving the police at this stage. And instead, request for an independent review from the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health. This review began in the September of 2016. The services of the neonatal unit were scaled back in July 2016, meaning that they were no longer going to accommodate premature births before the 32-week mark. The Trust set a very narrow scope for the review, excluding anything to do with Lucy Letby, and requesting instead that the College look into the general services the neonatal unit. When the college reported their findings, they basically stated they could not find any reason within the way the services were being conducted that would have caused the sudden increase in mortality rates. The medical director then turned to Jane Holden, who was a neonatalist at Great Ormond Street Hospital. She indicated four cases that could potentially benefit from a forensic review. And yet still, the medical director sought to blame these deaths on issues with leadership and timely intervention. In the September of 2016, Lucy Letby faced a formal grievance about her transfer from clinical duties to the hospital's risk and patient safety office. This was actually upheld by the board in January 2017 and determined that her removal had been, and I quote, orchestrated by the consultants with no hard evidence. They supported her return to the neonatal unit. The medical director then said that the doctors who had voiced their concerns ought to be dealt with. And they then ordered the consultants to write a letter of apology to Lucy Letby. I wish I could tell you I was making this up. But the doctors did send a letter of apology in the February of 2017. It wasn't until the March of 2017 that the consultants had finally managed to persuade the Board of Directors, to get the police involved. The Trust met with the Cheshire Constabulary on the 27th of April 2017, since Letby was due to return on the 3rd of May 2017. The Trust then decided to publicly announce the involvement of the police in May 2017, stating the move was to seek assurance that enables us to rule out unnatural causes of death. When this investigation hit the national press in the May of 2017, the Trust was still blaming senior staff for these deaths. You know, I don't usually voice my own personal opinions during these podcasts, but I do have to wonder, what sort of hold did Lucy let me have over the trust of this hospital that they trust K 
kept ignoring the evidence against her. So finally the police were involved and they took a thorough investigation into all the notes that had been compiled on these unusual deaths. And they only came to one conclusion. So on the 3rd of July 2018, Lucy Letby was arrested for the first time. In between then and the 11th of November 2020, a game of cat and mouse took place. Where the police would arrest Lucy and then be forced to release her while the investigation was still ongoing. This investigation spanned Lucy Letby's entire career, including her work at the Liverpool Women's Hospital. So by the time of her final arrest, Lucy Letby was facing charges of eight counts of murder and ten counts of attempted murder. The Crown Prosecution Service was convinced to prove all the charges Cheshire Gustavo was making against Letby. But Lucy Letby denied all the charges against her, blaming the deaths on hospital hygiene and staffing levels. Letby's trial began on the 10th of October 2022 at Manchester Crown Court. Ironically, nine months later, the jury was sent to deliberate and decide upon a verdict. On the 18th of August 2023, the jury came back with their decision on all the charges made towards Lucy Letby. She was found guilty of the murder of seven innocent babies and the attempted murder of seven other innocent babies. Let me chose not to attend a sentencing hearing on the 21st of August 2023. And so she didn't get to hear the victim impact reports by the mothers whose children she had murdered or attempted to murder. Nor did she hear the sentence of life imprisoned with a whole life order, which means she will never leave prison. Of course, Lucy Letby's lawyers have stated she plans to appeal. As I said, I don't usually allow my personal feelings to get in these podcasts. But if there was ever a definition of a monster, Lucy Letby is a strong contender. So that's it for my tales of Chester. I'm sorry it's taken me so long to get this week's podcast out, but I had a slight accident last weekend that put me out of action for quite a few days. And needless to say, that Lucy Let Be Tale really took a lot of emotional stress out out of me. I have hoped you've enjoyed listening to these tales. Next week, we will be having a video where I will be walking around the village of Bali and you'll get to see a bit of Pendle Hill. See you next week. Oh, see you actually on Sunday, not next week. See you on Sunday. Take care of yourself.
Bye bye.